1874, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. I'm joined as ever by award-nominated podcast number two. It's Greg Evans. The Athletic's been nominated in the British Podcast Awards, Greg, under Best Network slash Publisher category. Good news. Yeah, happy days, happy days. Shows that we're making good progress as as a team. You know, there's some brilliant other pods as, as well as ours, Dan. So, um, <laughs> but no, yeah. great, great, great news. Yeah, I'm not sure how much we've had to, to do with that. To be fair, I'm kind of like taking <laughs> taking a bit of the credit when, in fact, we're probably not involved at all in that nomination. But it's always good to see the athletic get recognised. You well? Yeah, good. Yeah, loving the sunshine. It's good to be able to go and play golf again now. You know, I was getting a bit bored in my house. Um, yeah, bit bit routine and monotonous, isn't it? Just sort of you know the same four walls every day. But um, no, the weather's good. That makes me happy. So yeah, all good. How are you? I'm good, but unfortunately, I'm absolutely pony at golf, so I can't even get to a, to a golf course and, and try and play that because I'm useless. So, still the pony. same old for me. Yeah, I'm rubbish, wow, mate. pony. That's a uh, that's a word I haven't heard for a while. <laughs> I, know, I, don't, I don't know where it came from. To be fair, I'm decent at putting, but the rest of my game's absolutely appalling. So that unless it's going to a putting green, it's absolutely pointless for me. Or crazy golf. I quite like a bit of crazy golf, to be fair, but I'm imagining as a golf connoisseur, you're not into that. No, you stay well away from the golf courses <laughs> yeah, on playing in, please. Enough about the golf podcast anyway, let's let's move on to, to Villa, Greg, for the Villa podcast. Uh, Villa returned to training on Tuesday. Any news for us? What What's behind the scenes looking like? Yeah, I mean, look, no real news as such. It's just a case of the players are back in training, basically. You know, they've been away for a while now, um, building up the fitness. Obviously, the squad's been split into a couple of groups and, you know, and the, training, the training consists of no more than five players. That's... Uh, that was one of the strict instructions from the Premier League. Um, led to believe that training, I think, was seventy minutes or seventy set, restricted at seventy or seventy-five minutes. Uh, you okay. know, look, that, that's that's what it that's what it's going to be like. Sort of anyway. That's a, a, a typical training session. Um, some players might feel like they have to do a little bit more at home just to get them up to speed. Uh, you know, I think we, we've been speaking to a lot of players, haven't we, during this lockdown period? Yeah, yeah. A lot of them have said sort of the same sort of thing. You know, I'm fit, but I'm not quite as fit as if I was properly training. So. Um, it's going to take some of the players a little bit longer to get up to speed than others. Um, Matt Target was interviewed uh, earlier in the week. He said that you know he might need five to six weeks to get back. Some other players might need four weeks or a little bit less. It, it just depends really. But it'll be good for the players to be back again, back in the groups. Um, you know, I've certainly missed mixing with my colleagues and friends at work and, and hopefully I'll be back amongst them soon so you know because it does get a bit lonely and, and monotonous as, as I've already said so you know for the players they're only human beings as well so it'll be good for them to get back in and evolved uh, around each other. Yeah I don't know how much of the, the Bundesliga you watched over the weekend but I, I watched a little bit of it and that was the main takeaway from it from me was that obviously players have been doing training but not for that long and you could just tell that they, they weren't match fit you know they weren't match sharp it all all looked a little bit rusty to me I mean it's great to have football back don't get me wrong but they were a little bit like pre-season games because you just you just felt that players fitness wasn't quite there and that's going to be weird when the Premier League comes back isn't it yeah, I think it's going to be the same, and it's the you know it's the whole no fans in the ground environment. It's just a bit weird, isn't it? You're sort of hearing noises that you don't usually hear when a, a normal game's on, and and it just all seems a little bit flat. Um, I think you, I think you're right. Certainly, some of the players didn't look you know as sharp as as they previously would have, but I also feel that 
the fact they're not having the crowd there, it, it takes away sort of the intensity a little bit. Um, I don't know, it might, that, that's just what I think. It, it might be completely wrong, but we we shall see whether that is the same, whether, you know, when England return, hopefully. Yeah, so these groups of five, I mean, pretty much every group at Villa will, will have a goalkeeper, which is a bit strange because we've got about 95 goalkeepers <laughs> at the club. How, how does it work? What are those groups of five actually doing? Yeah, I think just the first couple of days, are, you know, very sort of basic running drills and um, having the ball at their feet again. It'll be having having an actual football on a, on a field again at the feet will feel quite weird and, and different to them because they just haven't had that for for so long. So just be getting their little touches and little feels back, and um, and then it'll be building up to group training in the weeks ahead. Do you think that level of rustiness might work in, in Villa's favour in, in a weird way? Like first game back for Villa's Chelsea, isn't it like? Do you think that might level the playing field for us a little bit, even when it comes back? Yeah, possibly. Now, I mean, I think we're going to go into it a little bit later, but the, the story I wrote um, earlier this week about uh, about Villa's playing style and, and what this Villa team will look like when they will return um, is, is quite intriguing and interesting for me because um, now, now, without sounding too negative, you know, let's just quickly go back to February and March and, and remember how bad Villa were. You know, I'd I mean, rather not go back, Rick. Well, look, it'll only be very briefly done, so we'll okay. just quickly touch on it. I'm just trying to get my point across here, mate. Bear with me. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they, they, they lost sort of five... I think they lost five games in a row, hadn't they? And, um, you know, we were saying, more me than you, admittedly, that, that Villa were the worst team in the division when, when football ended um, prematurely. So, I think... Although it sounds very crass to actually say this, but the break will have actually benefited them because forget the forget the business side of football. I mean, just as a team, you know, this team was struggling so badly. They were heading towards the championship. Um, so hopefully this break has just given them a bit of time to reassess and reevaluate. And just give them the chance to to right some of the wrongs. Of course, there's going to be a rustiness, um, but as you say, it's going to be the same with every team. And you're right, really. You know, it might just work in their favour. It's it's like starting a season again, and you know, we we know what can happen at the start of seasons. There are often shock and surprise results. So, you know, when Villa go back into it against the the elite teams that they will be having to face in the first few uh, games, it could just level out the playing field a bit. Yeah, I mean. I might not have been saying that we were the, the worst team, but I was cer- certainly thinking it. Don't get me wrong, we were we were absolutely terrible going into the break. Let's get let's go into your story a little bit. So we're recording on a on a Wednesday morning, and your story's just come out on the Athletic doing well so far. I've seen a lot of engagement on social media. So it's basically the, the title is what happened to Villa's playing style before the break, and and can they recover? So what prompted you to look at that? Yeah, I mean, look, as the same as Dean Smith and the players, you know, with this sort of lockdown period, I've had a bit of time as as a journalist as well to just sort of look back on some of the games, analyse them and just have a look at sort of if there were any changes in patterns and trends. And there were quite a few, to be honest. I thought from the first 14 games to the second 14 games, there was quite a lot of difference, which I'll I'll go into, um, you know, a, a little bit later. But I just thought it would be interesting because I know the players are doing the same sort of thing. Dean Smith has, has put them into groups and they're self-analysing um, the games that have gone past. And that's a, I think that's a great sort of a great way to sort of bring the group together, but also help them realise what was going well, what wasn't going so well and what they can improve on when football does return. So I just kind of thought I'd do a little bit of the same really and um, and just see if there was any differences. And, and there were, to be fair, aside from... 
just picking up fewer points. Um, Villa and the sort of basics of, of obviously Villa are scoring fewer goals. Um, they're creating fewer chances, and, and they're obviously conceding a lot more. The the sort of Smith ball moniker that that had been branded at the start of the season has kind of disappeared now. Um, you know, Villa aren't passing it nowhere, anywhere near as uh, crisp and concisely as they were previously. And it, I just think that I know Dean Smith wants to, to play a certain way and it just feels like he was struggling to get his players to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're a member of, of the coaching team. There might be some stuff you, you could feed back yourself to Dean Smith if you've been look, looking at all the games. I don't envy you going through that because some of them have been absolute shockers, to be fair. So I, I read your piece this morning and, and I enjoyed it. And remember, you can read Greg's pieces in full and anything else you fancy by using the 90-day free trial being offered at the moment. Just visit www.theathletic.com slash villapod. Some great content knocking around, not just from Greg's. I'm particularly enjoying the Bundesliga content at the moment. But as I say, I, I read your, your article this morning and I've got some questions off the back of it, Greg, things that I've taken away from what you've said. Sure. So what is it that's, that's led to that lack of identity now? Because you, you're talking about Smith Ball and I've got, we've spoke about it before, I've, I've got things that I associate with this brand of Dean Smith football where, that I just wasn't seeing to, towards towards the end of the, of the season, ending prematurely. What is it that's led to that lack of identity? I think, look, you can't blame the injuries exclusively because, you know, a squad should be prepared to, a team should be assembled to to have a, a squad that's ready to sort of fit in, you know, fill in for gaps. And, and, and if somebody gets injured, then somebody should be able to come in and replace him. But the loss of John McGinn was huge. I mean, just, just looking back through through the games, he was having such a big impact on games um, in, in the first sort of 14 games of the season. I mean, he was he was doing so much. It's only when you look back and analyse how you know you realise how important he is to this team. And he he would win possession in dangerous areas, and then Villa would be able to kick on and, and sort of build and mount attacks from there. That isn't really happening so much. I mean, Douglas Louise can't tackle. He 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 cannot tackle. It's just not part of his game. And um, Villa aren't winning the ball back enough as they used to. And when they do, they're giving it away more. So I think John McGinn makes a huge difference, but it, it, you can't just say, it's too easy to say that the whole style has gone because of him. Um, but also, I think you have to you do have to remember that Villa are still there. They're still kicking, you know, alive and kicking and sort of, they're a win away from jumping out of the bottom three. So I'm trying not to say, sort of go too negative on them, but I just think that it was so sort of promising and positive in the first half of the of the first half of the season, or whatever, however, however you want to describe it's it, weird in the now first talking about it, yeah, yeah, in in the first fourteen games of the twenty eight games that they've already played, I thought it was very positive. I thought you could see a, an identity and a brand sort of developing, um, and I thought that you know Villa fans that were going to the games, they were quite enjoying it. Okay, results weren't going quite their way, but they were giving it a good go, and and the goals at McGinn's goal at Arsenal was fantastic. You know the the game at Norwich. Um, the goals there were great and I just felt that they were just ready to kick on but then it just sort of went downhill um, now that did coincide with McGinn's injury and then obviously other injuries that followed um, and at the same time we've always got to remember that Villa are a recently promoted team that are going to struggle anyway so it was always going to be tough but it just seems that, that they'd lost their way a little bit and hopefully this break will give them the chance to um, reevaluate. Do you think McGinn will come straight back in so what's the situation with his injury now if, when, if the season was to start tomorrow let's say, 
Would McGinn be, yeah. be in the team? He's, he's fit. Uh, yeah, He'll be as fit. As far as I know, yeah. As far as I know, he, he's ready now. Yeah, he's been training the same as everybody else and, and he's ready to go. So it'll be a huge, huge boost for Villa. You know, absolutely massive because not only does he sort of battle around and win the ball back and fight and, and his energy and enthusiasm, he, he's so infectious. He's also creative and he's got that bit of quality and he scores goals now. So that's going to make a big difference for Villa. Let's just talk about the makeup of that midfield and just the benefits of having a settled team in general. Because you you got the sense with McGinbey now that Dean was struggling a little bit to, to pick his best midfield. Or like you talked about the defensive combinations earlier, there was all sorts of midfield combinations as well. Do you think he's got to find that settled midfield and and stick with it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's you know any successful team has a has a a core sort of group, don't they? Of of ten of, of nine or ten who play most weeks, and then they mix it up a little bit when they need to freshen it up. But Villa need a Villa need a midfield now. I think you know it's they were starting to get one. I remember I know I'm going back to the the game at Norwich, and it's easy, isn't it, to say because it was a five one win, but yeah. that looked like a good that looked like a good team to me. And um, good times, you know if they. Yeah, yeah. If they if they can repeat, I mean, the camber was brilliant that day. For example, if they could get the camber playing in that type of way more regular, then that team is going to uh, is going to flourish. I think the camber McGinn, and I don't, I don't really know who goes in next. Now, I mean, is, is it Hurahan? Is it Louise? That they do different things. I'd probably have Hurahan over him, but um, Me too. you know, pe- pe- people other people think different. So. But I think the key is finding a settled team in in the remaining ten games because that could be the difference. Because I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say that I don't think Louise can play as the defensive midfielder when when Nakamba plays. I, th- I think he's too weak defensively. I think sometimes going going backwards, he looks like he's running through treacle, and then you watch him bump forward with the ball, and he he's actually pretty pretty quick. So I don't think he can play as that deep line midfield because midfielder because I don't think he's got the defensive game on his side. So I think Nakamba automatically takes that role. For me, and no one, anyone who's listened to stuff before from me won't be surprised to hear me say this, but for me, I think Harahan has to play in that, cent- in that central midfield role. I think our best results have come with him in that team, with Jack on the left. Because when Connor plays, he kind of makes up for Jack's lack of tracking back on, on, the, on the left wing. Jack kind of gets a free roll from the left, doesn't he? And I think when Connor doesn't play there, I think Target gets overwhelmed. I think we get overloaded down that side. I don't know what you think of that, but I think adding adding to it his set pieces, his assists and his goals, for me, he has to be in the team. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's an interesting analysis. I, I personally think uh, Horahan does more um, in the attacking side, just I think it's more his threat. That, that I would have him in the I would have him in the Villa team because of his goal threat. That that's what I think. He, that's where I think his qualities are. I think possibly other players maybe do more. Um, defensively uh, out of the ones that they've got available to them I think you know you've obviously got Drinkwater as well He he's still he's still there and you know you've got the I mean will this sort of time benefit him you know will he come back a fitter player because he looked, he was struggling before wasn't he you know we, we, we all saw that he, he was struggling but maybe he might provide something different but I, I like I like Harahan in there because of his set piece ability and because of his goal threat that's why I would have him in the team he also looks after the ball as well, which I think is something that's quite overlooked. Overlooked, I think Louise is a, an amazing footballer. Don't get me wrong; I think he's got really good ability on the ball, but he can, he can be a bit lax, and I think he gives the ball away too much. Which obviously he's a young player, so it, it does come as part, part of the package with the youngster. But I think when you've got Harahan, Grealish, and Target down that side, they all look after the ball and manipulate the ball well, and I think that makes us a stronger side. Another thing I t- took away from the piece, Greg, and it wasn't really something. That, that you that you went over in great detail, but it just led to me thinking back to the summer again. And 
I think we got the transfer business wrong. I know there's mitigating circumstances for some of it, but the question I wanted to ask you was, we talk about buying players with potential and players that have got sell-on value. And I was going through it and I was actually thinking out the players we bought in in the summer, excluding the ones that were on loan last season. How many of them do you actually think have gone up in value? Because I'm not sure any have. I'm with you. I don't think they have really. I think at the start of the season, there were signs. Um, but I think they've just faded off a little bit. Uh, the one thing I will say is, is players like Courtney Hawes and um, and Esri Konza, you know, they are very young. They're making their yeah. sort of first, they're making their way in, you know, in the Premier League. It's their, it's their Premier League debut season. So I think they will actually be better players in the future because of it. Whether they've actually gone up in value right now, I, I, you know, it's hard to say, but... Um, I think the key for Villa it always was to just get through this season, um, survive, and then sort of have a look at their squad and say, right, okay, well, these are the players that we've bought. These are the ones that have gone slightly up in value. Let's keep them and develop them and, and use them as our team and then add some real quality around the gaps that that, that clearly need improving. Um but but you're right. I mean, it's a totally valid point that the the message from the club at the start of the season was we are buying these young, hungry players under the age of 24, 25, um, because we believe that they're going to be bet they're going to be good players for us and they're going to increase in value. But there aren't many that has. Let, let let's let's be brutally honest. There there isn't, is there? No, nah, I think we're going to get to the summer, regardless of what happens, whether we, whether we've gone down or whether whether we, whether we've stayed up. I think we're going to have to rip it all up. And start again, and I'm not convinced that we'll make much money on the players that will, that will that will end up going. So for me, at the moment, I look back in the summer, and I think it, it's it's easy to say at the moment because obviously we're sitting in the bottom three. But I th- I think we got it wrong in the summer. That's just the way I'm I'm, I'm looking at it, and I, and I think serious questions will will be asked by the owners twelve months on when it, when it gets to the trans the transfer window opening again. That, that's just my opinion, obviously, but that's just how I. I feel about it. In your in your piece, you 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 picked up on a player who was here last season on loan, and he's there permanently at El Ghazi. And you spoke about his input and perhaps him being one of the players that Smith was alluding to as a training ground player. Do you want to just expand on that that bit a bit? I was a little bit cautious actually when I was writing this because I didn't want it to come across that I was actually slating him, which you know I, I wasn't to be fair because he's got four goals and he's got four assists this season. He scored in a real big game environment, you know, real high pressure environment in the in the playoff final. So Amar El Ghazi is has done his fair bit for the club but it was just interesting to to, to hear what Jack Grealish was saying in, he, in his live Q&A with, yeah. the, with the official club website I mean, he said that um, you know and was fantastic in training he, he's, his shooting ability is brilliant he's always scoring whenever we're, we're, we're doing shooting practice um, now I know he's a confident lad I know he believes in himself um, but we haven't quite seen seen it on a match day have we from from him this season? I mean, you know, not sort of in not picking him out and singling him out here. It's just the fact that you know he's one of the players that that Jack Grealish has spoke about. He's saying he's fantastic in training. So you know, why why aren't we seeing that as often in games? Um, it's not him alone, is it? Look, you know, the, 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 I think all the wide players at Villa have have struggled to make an impact really this season. I think that's one of the areas that that have that has let them down. I think what I, what I like personally about Al Ghazi is that a lot a lot of supporters actually they say that he's a he's a bit weak and he sort of goes down too easy, but that that's not his character. He's he's quite fiery actually, and 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 he and he sort of gives his all, and I think he's he's always a goal threat. He's got that pace, um, 
and just having a look back on some of the some of the previous games, um, as I was doing last week, there were a lot of opportunities that he's made by putting crosses into the box that yeah. Villa haven't actually seen off. Um, so you know he has got some qualities as well. Because I was going to say, I think this is why your article's valid in my opinion. I think that first fourteen games, his his output was good. I think he probably got most of his goals and assists in in that first in those first half of games, those first round of games, but he's tailed off. In the second half, along with the team, and he's he's someone that we we need to get more from because I think he's a very very talented player. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think he's quite low on the list of problems uh, at Villa. I think wingers by nature are quite inconsistent, and and he fits in with that mould. But there's just obviously you got Trezeguet, the other wingers quite inconsistent as well. Jack's having to play on play on the wing, I think, because there's no consistency between the two of them. But I think there's a real player there. In El Ghazi, I think he's got real pedigree as well. He's played for Holland. He's played play for Ajax. You know, you can't be a muck if you're playing for those sides. So we need to get him forward. I think he suffered by his, the lack of a striker as well. I don't know whether you agree with me. I think there being no focal point and he was having to be the focal point as time. I think that mm. actually knocked his confidence a, a little bit as well. But he's quite a, got quite a big frame as well, El Ghazi, hasn't he? He's a, he's, he's a big guy. He should be really, really dangerous for us. And I'm hoping after the break he can come back and hit the ground running. Yeah, I think so. I mean, from, from speaking to people who watched him uh, when he was at Ajax, you know, he, he often played down the centre there. So Dean Smith gave that a try when when Villa had no recognised strikers and, and fair play to him in a way because although he, although he didn't although he didn't score, you know, he, he, he I thought he did very well for the team. He, he ran around a lot and and actually caused quite a few problems. And, and during that period, Villa did all right. I think they beat Watford and then they got uh, through the yeah, semi-final as well the foot so you know I mean fair play to him you know he's done he's, he's done his fair share for the team um it's just it's just that I think supporters often look at him and expect more from him just because we know that he's got it in his locker and, he, and that he can do it just with this time off as well that they've had I mean someone like Samata who's come in in January and I think he's done a decent job since he came in obviously scored in the cup final he made a nuisance of himself against Spurs at home scored against Bournemouth so I think Samata's going to be a good player I think we can agree on that but what you say about Dean Smith and the coaching staff getting players to look at videos do you think he'll get Samata looking at how Dean Smith likes his teams to play and seeing how he can benefit that and aid that yeah, I presume so because he's going to be a big he's going to be a big presence in 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 the ten games that are remaining. Keenan Davis as well, you know, he's back fit and training with the, with the team. So, um, you know, the two, the two of them are going to. I think Samat is a better player than than Davis. I think he will be used more often. Um, but the two of them are both going to be heavily involved still now, and, and they've both got a big part to play. So it's all new for Samata. Um, you know, he he wouldn't have known at all who Dean Smith was. You know, let's be honest, he wouldn't have known what Dean Smith's style of play is like. So it's no. going to have taken him a little bit of time to to understand what he wants. But you know, the benefit of the of this sort of extended period is that. Dean has been able to go over uh, with every single player, um, you know, like an appraisal. Really, I think he's had a couple of hours with each individual on video call, and you know, he would have used that time to sort of with some matter individually to to tell him exactly what he wants from him, exactly what he wants from his teams, and how he can benefit this Villa team. And I think he can. I think Villa's players, his teammates, need to help him more because um, we know of his incredible aerial ability. Um, yeah, get the ball in the box. Yeah, just get the ball in the box. I mean, I, I spoke to Aaron Tishbowler, who played against him um, at international level and in Belgium. And the first thing he said to me was, 
look out for this guy's incredible aerial ability. You know, he's, he's fantastic in the air. And we've seen it, you know, he scored two headed goals and Villa hasn't scored a headed goal all season. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, it just shows, doesn't it? Get the ball into the box for him and, you know, he might be able to do some bother. Yeah, and it was Al Ghazi that put the ball in the box for him for, for that cup final. So we certainly want to see more of that. We've had a, had a few tweets in. Nick Hayes has tweeted in saying a midfield led by McGinn and Grealish is going to make chances. Davis and Samata might be enough firepower. We can do this. I mean, first off, I admire his positivity. That's, that, that, that's nice to see but do you think Grealish is going to stay out wide or do you think there's a case for him coming back into the middle yeah I think he'll be given I don't know for sure but he's, he's going to have that sort of roaming role isn't he where he's moving in from the left and towards the middle at times and just causing damage in that area I know that is the area that he loves you know to sort of attack from the halfway line towards the um towards the box in that sort of left to central midfield area. He feels he's at his most dangerous there. So I'm, I'm sure Smith will be trying to get him in those positions to um, to, to do the damage there. Yes, Roar on Twitter as well. He's asked about, about the goalkeeper situation and whether he, Steer's going to be in contention to, to come back. And I was thinking thinking about this because... I don't think Rayner as a signing has worked for us. I think he's he's actually ended up making me nervous. And I think he's made the defence a little bit nervous as time's gone on as well. He became a bit erratic t- towards the end of the, the break of the football season. Is Jed Steer going to be one that, that could come back into contention if he's fit now? Because he came in and stabilised us last season and there's a case for him doing it again. And also, we've got Neyland, who I think is an incredible goalkeeper. Yeah, look, it's, it's a strong goalkeeping department. I'd love to see Jed Steer get back in that team because you know I think he, I think he deserves that chance. I, I was, I was. I was pushing for him at the start of the season because of what he did at the back end of last season. You know, I thought um, if you take Jed Steer out of that, if, if you don't recall him back from that loan at Charlton Villa, might not have got promoted. So I definitely wouldn't. Um, have. You know, I think I think he's had a, an incredible um, part to play last year. So. Yeah, I mean, look, his injury was quite serious, the Achilles injury. I don't know what stage he's at, but I think it could be still some time before sort of he's available, which might which might sort of rule him out. Plus, um, you know, Villa, Villa have got four really good goalkeepers, obviously Tom Heaton as well, um, and, and, and Rainer, Rainer and Nealand. I think with Rainer, you're right, he was starting to become a bit of a... Um, he was making he was making me nervous as well watching him. You know, in the last few games, Southampton I thought he was he really struggled. He, for a guy who's excellent with his feet, he was just trying a little bit too much, and and the um, some of the passes he was making weren't quite as crisp as they previously have been. Um, then then against Leicester, he, he obviously came out and sort of flapped at that that that, that last goal that Harvey Barnes scored um which which was you know wasn't great to watch i think the issue that they've got potentially is you sign somebody like rainer such a huge huge character of you know vocal presence in the dressing room and clearly the most experienced player that villa have got um and then if, if you drop him sort of how does that how does that look do you know what i mean you, you might sort of start losing a bit of confidence but i don't know you know th- this break might be an excuse to to uh potentially change things up so we'll see so, Greg, last one from me off the back of your piece. I've absolutely bombarded you here, to be fair. You've been like a manager, completely under pressure in a press conference with people just throwing questions <laughs> at you, left, right and centre. But formation, obviously Villa have had two main formations through the season in 4-3-3 three, three, and, and then we went to three at the back for a period as well. I actually think our best game was away at Burnley when we just switched up the formation, took them by surprise and, and went there and won. Do you think he's going to stick with either of those formations? Do you think he's going to come up with something completely different? Where do you think we sit with the formation? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I really don't know. I don't know what he what he's thinking. Possibly four, uh, possibly four at the back rather than the five. Um, that was a great game at Bournemouth, at Burnley, as you say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Grealish was. was brilliant that day. Wesley looked like he'd sort of turned the corner. Um, the formation was good. It sort of took took Burnley by surprise, and you rarely get sort of anything out of Sean Dyche, don't you? But fair play to Dean Smith on that day. He certainly got one over him. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they'll go with. I think you'll you'll still see a similar sort of out similar approach. Because Smith sort of has his ways and and his ways that he wants to play. It's just, yeah, I think it would just be more the the um, the personnel rather than the actual formation. We're a bit of a different podcast today. Obviously, we've had many many interviews uh, over lockdown last week. We were lucky enough to speak to Tommy Elphick, where I've got to say thanks to him because I think he revealed so much and it's gone down really well with, with the Villa public. So there is some other interviews that we've done over the last few weeks as well. So if you are new to eighteen seventy four, here's just a little compilation to whet your appetite. Why don't you give this a listen? I couldn't do a training session without taking painkillers. And when that happened, I had to say stop. The doctors were very frightened of David O'Leary because of his power, because what he said to them. So they couldn't, they couldn't say anything directly to me. They knew the situation about me, but they couldn't say to him that, listen, Gaffer, uh, Martin cannot play anymore because they were afraid. So he was a mess for, for me and, and for the club. My wife, she had a hair salon in Nottingham. She was o- just opening it. And um, she said to me, oh, do you think David had come and opened my salon for me? And, and it was all, went all around the time when David was doing all the L'Oreal stuff. And I said, are you kidding me? She says, oh, please, please ask him. And I thought, oh my God, I've got to go and ask David Gillen to come and open a bloody hair salon. So I plucked up the courage to ask him. And I thought I was just going to get a barrage of abuse. And he said, oh, Tails. I'll come and do that, no problem. I said, you're kidding me. <laughs> he opened the salon, he had 500 women slipping their phone numbers into his pocket. <laughs> so I leave the office and literally last words were, right, that's it, Tom, you're not going anywhere, you're staying. I said, gaff up, perfect. Like, let's try and get promoted and we're all on board. I literally walked out of his office, walk up to lunch, have my lunch, Walk back downstairs, get in my car. My phone goes off a number that I've never, never seen before. So I answered the phone. I said, hello. He goes, uh, John Mick McCarthy. I said, oh, all right, Mick, how are you? He said, uh, I've just got off the phone to Brucey and I want to know where your head's at. So I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he's told me he's not having you and I can have you on loan. So I've literally <laughs> just walked out of the office. I said, Mick, I'm okay. Yeah, Tommy was top value, wasn't he, last week? Greg really, really revealed some some big things and got a written piece and a podcast out of it, which is always nice. Complimented each other well. Yeah, great to get Tommy Alfick on the pod. You know, a really nice guy, somebody who I got on well with at, at Villa and just good to get his thoughts and let's hope that he can get over his own personal injury and, and get back to playing for Huddersfield soon. Top, top man. And thanks to all the other players that have come on as well. Quite a decent six-a-side team out of the players that we've done, actually, albeit a little bit defensive. Seems to be mainly centre-backs that, that we seem to get, but we, sh- we should have a few more people coming up in the next few weeks, so make sure you're watching out for them. <laughs> 